Welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week we're going to continue looking at... Um, social justice issues and this week we're going to discuss the topic of homosexuality through that lens and how we can create space for our friends who experience same-sex attraction and what the church teaches about that a reminder back to our um, discussion a few episodes ago on um, Catholic social teaching one of the uh, themes is the call to family, community, and participation. The person is not only sacred, but also social. How we organize our society in economics and politics and law and policy directly affects human dignity and the capacity of individuals to grow in community. Marriage and the family are the central social institutions that must be supported and strengthened, not undermined. We believe people have a right and a duty to participate in society, seeking together the common good and well-being of all, especially the poor and vulnerable. And so you might be asking yourself, well, how does that go with homosexuality? Well, we, as a church, a lot of times we say that we are welcoming of homosexuals, but our actions don't correspond with our words. And so how do we let those with same-sex attraction know that they are welcome in the church but we also holding church teaching. And there are ways to both uphold magisterial teaching and dogma while still welcoming homosexuals as a vital part of our church. Um, it is indeed we, not us and them. And a lot of times there's lip service being paid, and I'm not going to mention names or anything like that, but to, oh, well, we, we're welcoming of homosexuals within our community and we want them you know to to feel welcome and loved here and apart but literally nothing is being done to actually create a space where that welcoming could actually take place and I'm not suggesting that we change anything um, per se in terms of how we approach family ministry but I do think it warrants councils being convened at parishes to discuss how are we going to truly um, evangelize and catechize our gay brothers and sisters who have chosen to live um, a life that is celibate, who who are experiencing the same-sex attraction, but who do want to fully participate in the life of the church and and live without sin and live chastely within that struggle that they are in. There are a lot of, of, of these individuals within our family, and they don't feel comfortable around us. And I think that's because we're just not really listening and we're not looking at what we can do um, to to include these people these humans these friends and family and brothers and sisters of ours in the life of our parish and in the life of our church um, without compromising one inch one tiny inch on the truth the reality of the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of the human person there is a way to do it we can do it we just aren't doing it what we are doing, however, um, is we're either 
what's happening a lot is that we have false teachers within the church who are promising things that that this could change, that this is this is going to be something that that's going to change within church dogma, and this is a lie and a myth. And these teachers are promoting these kinds of ideas, which are actually destructive, and um, the cause of great despair. When what we really need is to begin to understand the struggle here, and and bring each other in and truly evangelize. You know, Alicia is so passionate about evangelization. She's so passionate about bringing people in. She's inspiring, and we're talking about this. I know that she um, has a true heart to really, like, engage people in a personal encounter with the love of God in their life. And I really I really wish that we all had that kind of passion towards people who we are intimidated by or maybe don't know how to handle or don't have answers to their problems. So I just, I think we could work harder as a church. Yeah, I mean, I think that first and foremost, that when we're talking about this topic, um, and you guys definitely like touched on it, is that, you know, people who experience same-sex attraction, it's not an us, them, us, you know, yeah, an us, them type situation. We are all created by God. We're all part of the human race. We are all made with dignity. Um, and so regardless of what you experience in life and regardless of even what you do, you still have that, that dignity there. Um, that people, regardless of whether or not they have heterosexual or homosexual tendencies, you are worth being loved. Mm-hmm. And God loves you. And he commanded us to love one another. Um, and that goes without condition. Um, one of the things that when I was listening to Lauren and listening to you, also going back to the theme of life and dignity of the human person, you just said it, they have dignity because they're created by God. And I think sometimes we forget that, that everybody, because they were created by God, has that dignity. And it's good that you exist. Mm-hmm. Just We all struggle with something. It's good that you exist. And... Um, I love, I have, you know, Made for Love by Father Mike Schmitz right in front of me, and he writes that several times in this book, that it's good that you exist and that you are one of us. So a lot of times when we view this, like you said, it's us versus them, when it really needs to be looked at as we are one body, and how are we going to treat the part of our body that feels disconnected? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think one way is to be very clear about what the church teaches about homosexuality, because there are a lot of myths that go around saying that the church condemns people with same-sex attraction um, and those who live live it out, um, that they aren't welcome and, and and so forth. But what the church really teaches is that having an attraction towards something is not a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, it is considered, and this this type of verbiage I think can be off-putting for some people, but you know, bear with me. Um, it is considered a disordered attraction, mm-hmm. um, but that's not said in a way of like a, a demeaning uh, type of verb. There, what it means is that we are ordered towards certain things. Um, so, for instance, you know, biologically, um, we are ordered toward a man and a woman coming together and you know reproducing 
we're ordered toward because, you know, God made Adam and Eve and all of that and that complementary union, we are ordered toward that. And so if you do something that is in opposition to or you have a feeling in opposition to um, how we were meant to be ordered, then that's why it's disordered. It's not that you are dirty or you are, you know, wrong in a in a morally insufficient way for having that attraction it's just that it is against the order by which god meant for us to have um and i know that like a lot of people will say well you know then why did god give me these feelings right like why do i have these feelings when you know if god didn't want me to have them well you know i can I think because of sin, it's not God. It's not God giving you those feelings. We have, like, you know, for instance, I have an attraction towards sugar. I mean, obviously, we're not talking about sexual here. But, like, you know, I have an attraction towards sugar, and I tend to want it way more than I ought to. Ought to. I'm not comparing. I'm just using this as an analogy. But, you know, like, that is kind of a disordered thing or whatever. Like, I have a bit of an addiction towards it. It's not that God made me have that. It's just that this is a tendency that I have. And, like, for instance, and I will divulge this here, I have had same-sex attraction before. Mm-hmm. Back when I was in high school, mm-hmm. um, I had a friend who I was attracted to. And I, I didn't grow up in a home where, you know, any kind of Christian theology told me that this was, like, a disordered type thing. Um, it very much probably would have been, I, it probably would have been a surprise to my parents, but I don't think it would have been, you know, like it would have been shunned or anything like that. Um, and if my friend would have been willing, I very well probably would have entered into a relationship with her. But, um, you know, that, that ended up not happening, um, you know, and I'm, I'm grateful for that um, because it didn't lead me down a road where, you know, I would have been more confused about my sexuality and such like that. Um, but you know, it's, I, I say this not just to tell the story, but to say that like, you know, I'm looking back, like I've, I've used to feel kind of ashamed about that story, but now I just realized that, you know, like I had an experience and like, and I had an attraction and it was something that happened and I'm not dirty for it and I'm not, you know, gross for it or anything like that. Like I just, I had the attraction. Um, and so what the church teaches, going back to that, is that, you know, you can have those attractions, yes, but we have license to, to, to whether or not we're going to engage those by, you know, thinking about them or whatever, or having lustful thoughts and stuff such like that, and actually engaging in those acts that we think about. Um, and so that's where the, the line is drawn um, in the Catholic Church, because because of the sexual union, because you can love somebody. Sure. You can absolutely love another person of the same sex. It's the engaging in the sexual act. That is where the line is drawn. And the church's teaching on chastity is across the board the same mm-hmm. for everyone, whether you're single, straight, gay, or married even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are to be chased within all aspects of our state of life, regardless of our attractions or where we are at. And the nature of attraction, the science behind attraction, there's so much that goes into that. It could even be, you know, anything in your environment to hormone disruptions to um just a natural disposition that you were born with. There's so much that goes into why we are all attracted to these certain things that we are and why we have these um, these certain different bents in our concupiscence. And it's all part of the fall and it's part of living in a sinful world. 
It has nothing to do with something that God has given us or allowed us to, you know, as, as part of some sort of sick game that he wants to play. I hear that a lot. You know, why am I, was he just playing a game with me then? Is he trying to prove something? Is it like a chess game? That has nothing to do with it. We live in a world that is marred by sin. It's groaning. All of creation is groaning. And church law, we have to remember, is completely built out of natural law as well. I mean, this is this is an ordered teaching. This isn't a teaching that is just purely religious. This is based out of a natural, scientific, evidence-based, natural law that f- the church teaching flows from. Because in another, you know, another thing that we hear is, well, we see cases of this in nature or variants of this in nature, but we are not just aspects of physical nature. Human beings are body-soul composites. We are both spiritual and natural, and the laws that apply to us are different than laws that are in nature, if you could even make a case for that, really, once you actually start digging into it, mm-hmm. it tends to fall apart, mm-hmm. even from a scientific perspective, this argument. But we cannot compare ourselves. We are not just animals, and we don't function just as animals. There's something inside of us that is part of the divine nature it literally dwells within us there are pieces of heaven in baptized christians that are walking around this world is a spiritual and physical mashup for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. and so when we're talking about attraction we're talking about love and we're talking about um chemistry and identity is, is mixed into there there's so much here about what is the true nature of love. I wish we would talk more about that. You know, like, what is really love? It, what is married love? Is it all arrows? Or is it is it phileo? Is it friendship? I mean, let's really, as a church, delve into the nature of the love of God and all of the ways that it presents itself in human experience. You know, because we have the different types of love. In my marriage, friendship plays a huge part of our entire connection. And man, do you have to rely on that when you have a screaming baby. Um, And the Eros part of that is just gone. And there's like not a lot of attraction, you know. But thank God that that's not the only love that my heart is able to engage in in a deep way. Because I need my husband's friendship. I need his partnership. I need to be able to work with him. And so it's just a little example of how I think that we we sell a limited bag of goods when we talk about love in only the realms of sexual or eros, married or not married. Um, I think that we need to really... I think as humans, especially modern humans, I'm going to go ahead and say postmodern humans. We're living in a postmodern society, a post-Christian society. I think the discussion about the very nature of love and how that could transform our discussion about homosexuality too. Because if anywhere you're welcome in this world, if anywhere you're welcome, it's in the Catholic Church, okay? Because we value friendship. We have entire orders of same-sex people who go to live in convents together in community, okay? We value communal friendship, love. We value that sense of beauty of between people of the same sex, love of the same sex, co- cooperation, not in a sexual way, 
but to show that this is, there is a place for this type of discussion here. We value that in the Catholic Church. Um, fraternal, that's the word I was mm-hmm. trying to get to, and I just couldn't get there. Fraternal love. Mm-hmm. You know, that love between brothers that is so deep and so pure. Let's have those discussions and see if we can understand each other better when we have different experiences of love. I love how you said that, Laura, like the, um, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops and their ministry to persons with a homosexual inclination. They have, I just loved this quote. Um, True friendships are not opposed to chastity, nor does chastity inhibit friendship. In fact, the virtues of friendship and of chastity are, are ordered to each other. Mm-hmm. And just like that focus that you were saying on that, that friendship and that type of love and that we can have in that communal love with each other, mm-hmm. like, it, you know, it, it and looking at the different types of love and those, the way that we can, you know, love our, each other within our community in a chaste mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Like, I just thought that was really beautiful. And being able Thank to you. see each other that way. Yes. Let's, let's see our brothers and sisters with that lens of God's love. Look at them the way he looks at them. Look at them. What would, it, what would, what would move in Jesus' heart? What would stir around? What do you think his response would be? You know, these are the type we have to allow ourselves to enter into the love of God and let it enter into us. Well, when you bring that up, so I was had already been thinking about how in English, you know, we just have the word love, but there's different levels of love. And then you just said, how would Jesus respond? Well, I think we know how he would yeah. if we look at the woman at the well. Exactly. I mean, just he was very open to telling her that, you know, he was the Messiah. He, I mean, right, he's, they're engaging in a marital proposal, and he is telling her to send no more afterwards. He, he didn't condemn her for all the things that she had done. He invited her. He outstretched his hands and yeah. invited her in, to, in a marital-type relationship with him, yeah. a chaste right. relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing we're not doing. We always say that we're going to the margins. We always say, but look at our Lord's life. He was not interested in the norm. You know, he was always looking. His eyes were scanning the horizon. Even the, the Bible even says in the Old Testament that the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth, searching for one whose hearts are upright toward him. Jesus went to the margins in a lot of ways. He was extremely controversial in the people that he talked to and reached out to and evangelized. And he did not care. The love of God compels us. Well, I think like this, a lot of times we treat homosexual love or attraction or even lust differently than homosexual lust. And it is the or same. When we can, uh, yeah, sorry, so heterosexual lust. And it is the same. I mean, if we had an issue... I mean, we're all married, but if we had some sort of lustful thoughts, we would go to confession. Mm-hmm. And that is offered to our Catholic brothers and sisters who have same-sex attraction as well. You go to confession, and, and you know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm gonna, but I might do it again. Well, that's the struggle. We do it, if we do it again, we try to, we go to confession, reconcile, and try to do better. And I know that you know, some people get upset, well, if you're just going to keep doing it, then what's the point? 
that that's that's no. not the point. <laughs> not the teaching of the church. Yeah, you right. Well, and go what to you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what do you want? Like, do you want a Newsom? Like, yes. it's, it's, it's not right. a bad thing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, it's not a bad thing that you're going back. It's the fact that you are... Because right. the whole point of reconciliation is that you fall, and then you run back into the arms of Christ. It's right. not you fall, oh, I have to go and beg and for forgiveness and Good. grumble and feel all the shame and all that stuff. No, like, that's not what it's about. It's about letting go, giving it back to God and saying, God, this is, this is where my weaknesses lie. I need your grace in order to overcome them. And this is a slow process. It just is. I think very rarely God just like snaps it at us where we don't do it anymore or we don't feel that way anymore or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're all called to be saints, like mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. And we're all struggling with different things, but yeah. Yeah. And we all fall and we all go. Confession is the healing, the doctor, like the... This is where your wounding is going to be healed, is in confession. I think we forget that we are encountering Christ every single time we step into that confessional. He literally comes to confession with you to absolve you. He is looking for you. He is waiting for you, not to make sure you know how sinful you are, but to heal you and to heal me of my wounds, and which, which most of us, our sin struggles are directly related to wounds in our spirit. And let me tell you something. You can try your whole life to overcome that. Good luck. The only thing you can do is, is that when something has become twisted up inside of me is to go to the person who made me untwisted and have him undo that. And it may take a long time because pain is deep and our souls get scarred. I mean... It's like Alicia said, she's like, what do you want, some other struggle? <laughs> I mean, maybe you do. Maybe maybe you would much rather have another struggle. And I don't mean to minimize that. But the truth is that you, the only person who can actually do anything to take away those woundings and those struggles is the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And where you encounter him is in the sacraments. Well, and I do want to make the point to say that I don't think any of us are bringing up this point to say that if you pray and if you go to confession, those attractions will go away. Right. No. 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 I have I've heard people's stories um, before, and there have been some people who have said, "Yeah, like I don't have those attractions anymore." And then there are other people that I've listened to who were, you know, in, in many same-sex relationships, and. Um, you know, now they're not, or they're, they're you know, living a single life, or they're married to somebody of the opposite sex, but they say they still struggle with those attractions, mm-hmm. um, and those, well, I guess, more so the lustful feelings, um, and so it's, and, and that's, I, know, I think the point that I want to say is, like, that's okay, like, it does, like I said before, it doesn't make you dirty, it doesn't make you wrong, or anything like that, it just means that you're a human being, and, you have an attraction and having the attraction again is not a sin struggling with the lust and thinking about those things and all this stuff that is where it's an issue and i have had friends who are are gay or lesbian have gone to confession and the priest told them that they weren't welcome there and i i want to urge you to maybe go to another priest if that's the case, because Jesus is there, but so there is also a man there, mm-hmm. and the priests are men, 
who struggle and with their opinions and their and and views of church, church teaching also and sometimes can be poorly catechized too, yeah. even priests. and uh, we love them but if you were told you weren't welcome by a priest I would urge you to go to another priest and I'm not saying that go until you find somebody that agrees with you on everything but somebody who's going to help you heal from your wounds not create more if that makes any sense I'd also highly recommend the book that we've all been reading and we've mentioned here several yes. times oh made God, for love yeah. um same-sex attractions in the catholic church by father Mike. not just for for those who may be experiencing this themselves but also for those whose family members he has some really great um like question and answers in the back for some practical um more practical advice on um how to deal with different situations mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and he also has really good um, speeches as well yeah. that the that the YouTube book is based videos. upon. So, yeah, if you go on YouTube, mm-hmm. he has them on there. They're absolutely excellent. And I will say, this is one teaching that attracted me to the Catholic Church because coming from, like, no faith at all and, you know, having met people who were gay and the only, like, you know, quote-unquote Christian, like, view that I had heard about, about this issue was, like, basically very condemning. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, um, that they're all going to go to hell if they don't, you know, confess their sins or repent and all that kind of stuff. And it really bothered me because I knew from experience, knowing people who, even outside of this, who just weren't Christian, there were people who were really, they were lovely people mm-hmm. and they really cared. And so to see people condemning people like that really bothered me. So that being the only really like alternate viewpoint as opposed to like, you know, there was, you know, accept fully and encourage and embrace and, you know, all of that, everything that has to do with like safe sex attractions and a homosexual lifestyle. And then the alternative, the only other alternative I heard was, you know, completely condemn, like, you know, just complete opposite end of the spectrum. It really bothered me. So when I learned about the church's teaching, that no, like like we've said, I've said multiple times that the church's teaching really upholds uphold, the dignity of the person. It points out the sin, but upholds the dignity of the human being. So, I think it's so important that you brought that up because one thing we have said consistently on this podcast from the very beginning is we are not here to give pat answers to incredibly complicated and difficult problems. Um, We are not here to say, this is how you fix the struggles that you have. We're here to point you to the one that can accompany you through all of that, whatever that looks like. And that is what the church is here for, too. We are here to enter into the life of God, whatever we are dealing with. I I have a history of addiction. There are days, there are periods, there are weeks where all I can think about is using and I'm be real honest with you guys, it comes up all the time. In my head, there are points in my life, there are weeks and months where this comes up a lot. And I have not, I have not. It's always there. But you learn that that point, that entry point where you feel so weak and so ridiculous. Why do I still feel this way? It's ridiculous. I've been, you know, I've been in, I've been sober for this many years, or I haven't done this for this many years, or I've had victory in this area for so long to try to escape 
human struggle is to cease to be human. This is what we're here for, is to learn to surrender those points of weakness that we struggle with, those things that we don't tell anyone, those things that we that we just wish weren't a part of, you know, our struggle. Those are the areas through which the grace of God meets us. Those are the points of entry for supernatural aid. And I know, I know this because I've experienced that in my life in a lot of different areas, particularly in those areas that I've struggled with in the past and still think about and struggle with sometimes now wanting to do those things again. Um, That's vulnerable and that's real. And I'm just being honest with you guys. You know, I'm a Catholic speaker. (laughs) Uh, I'm deep in the life of prayer. My whole life is ordered around the church and I still struggle with the desire and the attraction Two things that make no sense to me spiritually, but my body and my mind do still remember those things and still. So please just know that we are not sitting here saying, oh, well, you can pray the gateway or, you know, just, you know, just be friends. You know, these are, we're not trying to give you pat answers here. We're trying to enter into the struggle with each other, all of us together, the whole us. And that includes our brothers and sisters who struggle with same-sex attraction. Well, and I will, I just want to bring up a point that um, Stacy, you had made, and it doesn't happen often that we disagree with one another on this podcast, but I'm going to disagree here. So earlier you had said that, you know, same-sex attraction is really the same as um, heterosexual attraction. It's, you know, but I would actually beg to, to differ. It wasn't the attraction, it was the lust. The lust. Oh, I see what you're the, saying. So the sin of lust is the same, not I the see. attraction itself. Oh, okay. So, okay, okay. okay. well, and the reason why, no, I'm, I'm glad you, you clarified. Um, and the reason why I brought that up is because I heard many people say, well, what's the big deal? Because love is love, right? Mm-hmm. Lust is lust, attraction is attraction. So what does it matter? Mm-hmm. But when we're talking, like we, I had mentioned before, when we're talking about how God has ordered the world and how it ought to run, but because of the fall, it runs a little differently here, that you know we are ordered towards heterosexual attraction, but we experience same-sex attraction. Um, and, and so it's not just that, you know, lust is lust. You know, it doesn't matter who you engage with or whatever because as long as you have consent then that's it i think i think that the point that i want to make is that sex is more important than that it's more meaningful Mm -hmm. than that and the world says and i've heard it many times that the church is obsessed with sex like why do they care so much what i do in the bedroom Mm -hmm. right but i would actually argue that the world is the one that's obsessed with it you Mm -hmm. see it absolutely everywhere and to go further than that, to kind of get more specific, for instance, like, you know, if you, I have heard more on more than one occasion, this sentiment that if two men are emotionally close to one another, oh, they must be gay. There must be an attraction there, right? There's no room in the world for men to have a close emotional connection without something else going on. Um, And, oh, in addition to that, the world celebrates people coming out as, gay or bisexual or non-binary all these things now but it condemns when people decide oh the other way i'm not going to engage in these act these homosexual acts anymore and instead i'm either going to be chaste or i'm only going to be in heterosexual unions it condemns that 
So I would say the world is very much obsessed with it. And what the the church is obsessed with, if you can say that, is upholding the dignity of what love yes. and sex are actually mm-hmm. for. Yes, that love is not just about having sex and, and all of that. Love is willing the good for another for their own sake. That is what it is. It is a self-sacrifice that you make for another person to put aside anything that you want, anything that you may even need for the good of that person. The ultimate good would be, you know, receiving heaven Mm -hmm. and upholding the dignity of sex in that it's not just about consent. It's not just this biological, this physical thing that we undergo. There is an element to it that is deeper than skin deep. It, it, It makes an emotional connection there. You can't, you can't get past that. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I was just thinking about, we're talking about attraction. So, usually when we are attracted to something, there is something, it's not always a desire, but sometimes it's just a recognition of beauty. Now, I think that some our, our society, like you said, has twisted a lot of that, that if we recognize beauty in somebody or something, that we must have it. Mm-hmm. And just because you recognize the beauty in something doesn't mean you have to obtain it. You can just acknowledge it for what it is. Like, you know, I can I can look at another woman and say, she's beautiful. Wow, look at how God created her. And that doesn't mean that I necessarily want to engage in a sexual relationship with her. But I can still appreciate her for how God formed her. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when we have issues in society, it's because we've taken a truth, or not necessarily us, but maybe, you know, but there's a truth that's been taken and it's been twisted. And, you know, we see that, um, was it C.S., the screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis? You know, he talks about how it's so easy to, the devil or the little demons are talking to each other, and he's talking about how it's so easy to, trick man because you take a truth and mm-hmm. then you twist it around and I, I see that a lot so just because you see beauty in something doesn't mean that like, you don't have to possess it I guess well and not idea. only that like just because you see beauty in it doesn't mean that you are attracted to that thing in a sexual way yes mm-hmm. yeah and so therefore you are just because I you see like you said a woman and you go wow she has a beautiful body that doesn't mm-hmm. mean like oh I thought that that, that must mean that I'm gay. gay. Yeah, that is not what that means. You might have that feeling, but yeah. just because you thought that thought or you have that feeling towards somebody, like, wow, she's beautiful, that's not what that means. Yeah, so I think it begs it begs mentioning here, too, that, like, I'll take it even a step further. Like you said, you know, um, you can look at another woman and say, she has a beautiful body. She's very sexy. I want that. That's where it is. There's a mm-hmm. line where you step and you say, that needs to be mine. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I must possess it. This is where the disorder happens. When we have to possess everything that we desire that is disordered. This for the break, the break and that spiritual, you know, that's when the, the bend happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between realizing a thought and a feeling that you're having and enthroning it as the only thing going on in your life. We see this a lot with these identity discussions, you know, I am fill in the blank, whatever. 
And this is the only aspect of your identity. And I think that there could be two people of the same sex that mutually love each other and the fact that they want to obtain the good for the other. And maybe they cohabitate, but that doesn't mean that they are engaging, like you said earlier, I mean, we have whole communities of nuns. That doesn't mean you also have to be a nun or a monk to live with somebody that you love celibately. Mm -hmm. And in a good way, and like in willing the good of the other, you don't have to want to obtain a sexual relationship with them to love them. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that if you are having a sexual attraction to another person of the same sex, though, to live with them would be a very near occasion of sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which and is the same for heterosexuals. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Again, chastity uh, yeah. across mm-hmm. the board. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. though, that there is, there are, you can love, like, again, it's that enthronement of Eros mm-hmm. that's all over, like you said, just the worship of sex and the disordered understanding of what it's for. And, and, and also, we're more than just our desires. Mm-hmm. Like, that's another thing we need to talk about. Like, also, let's talk about the spiritual aspect of this, the element of the fact that it is a known fact that if you are a Christian or really any human, there you do have a lover who is ravenously seeking you in the Lord, who is hunting you down, who is looking for you and begging you and painting the sky across the sky with stars to try to get your attention. But you also have an enemy who does not want you to see him. And not every thought that we have, and I'm talking to everybody now here, not just people who struggle with this or this or that, not every thought that we have, A, comes from us, or B, is a thought that we should entertain. And I know that's shocking in our society to suggest that my thoughts and my feelings are not the most important thing in my interior life. You're wrong on that. <laughs> like, it's not. We don't have to enthrone every thought or desire or entertain it or have it come to lunch with us. You know, it's you can reject things right out if they don't make sense when it comes to what you know to be ordered natural law and church law and truth. That's what we call the power of the will. And that is something that God can strengthen in us as we frequent the sacraments, particularly of confession, mm-hmm. the strength of the will, you know, the ability to be supernaturally empowered at that hinge of your weakness that you think is what takes you away from God is actually the entry point for the power of God to be seen in you. That's scripture. That, that's it right there. So I, I love that you brought that up, that, that it's the dignity of love and the human person that's being protected here, mm-hmm. not just, you know, a blanket idea of consent. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah not just, you know... We have this idea, or we have this teaching in, in Christianity because, you know, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Right. I've heard that before. Oh, ridiculous. And all. ridiculous. <laughs> like, and that's the thing that I like, you think it comes from people who, you know, they, they are well-meaning and they know what the, the Bible teaches, but it's, you know, it's maybe haven't gone quite Fear. as deep as figuring Fear. out like it is what we've discussed. But and I will say this is one, one thing that I want to make sure you know, I've heard people talk about, um, and I've known people before who, you know, came out to their parents as gay and then they were rejected, kicked out of the home mm, or whatever else. And it's awful. It's so sad. And so this is one thing I, for my children. I want to make sure that they understand 
that this is, you know, I, I always want to come about these things with so much love for my kids and for anybody that I talk to about this, that, you know, like if you ever come up to me and you tell me that you are experiencing this thing, you know, yeah, I might be taken back a little bit sure. because I just didn't expect it coming or something, but I still love you. That never, ever changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, okay, you feel this way. Now what? Like, right. what are we, what do you do about those mm-hmm. feelings? You know, are you, you know, are you telling me that you want to make the decision to, you know, engage these feelings with action? Or, you know, are you wanting to, you know, be chased and pray? Yeah, like maybe every parent should have this little conversation with themselves and their spouse. What would we do? What will we do to be prepared if, if this were to occur in our home? Like how, you know, or um, wh- what is our posture of love and compassion and how would we approach it and where do we stand? And I don't you think that it would, like you said, be something that you should think about ahead of time, like you are, um, and planning out what a response would be, a loving response mm-hmm. would be. We plan out our loving responses for our unbelieving friends and family all the time. You know, we're always thinking of how we're going to phrase things, you know, when we're evangelizing our friends. Because we, you know, we want to make sure that we're in welcoming, we're accompanying. Why aren't we doing this with our children? Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, and so like, you know, for our kids, we should not only like just as a fundamental thing like we don't want to ever make them feel rejected because you know when a child feels rejected especially by their parents Mm -hmm. that's an incredibly deep wound that leads to a lot of horrible things in the future but not only that um but it'll you know it also pushes them away from the church Mm -hmm. and they get lost in the world and you know i yeah like i don't want that for my kids and i don't want that for anybody else's kids either Mm -hmm. i've told my kids because you know we get angry at our children every once in a while, but I've told them repeatedly, I might get disappointed momentarily at some choice that you've made, or I might be shocked by a choice that you've made, but nothing you'll ever do will make me not love you. And I think if we just continue to tell our children that, and our friends, I have many friends who are in this camp, many, and um, I love them and I don't, I don't know how they're going to, if they listen to this podcast, if they're going to, how they're going to feel about it, but I love them and I love my kids and it's not going to change. I think you something you just said highlights another really important point. You can say you love somebody all day. Oh, nothing you do will make me stop loving you, which is a vital truth our children mm-hmm. must understand. But take it a step further. Nothing you do will make me not want you around. Yes. Let's go there, guys. Yes. Let's go there. Okay, because uh, there are people who are toxic in our lives who we have to love from afar. Let that never be our children, no matter what they come and say to us. Mm-hmm. Let that never be because of this type of situation. Because I am to there are youth, there are entire ministries dedicated to rescuing these youths who are living on the street because their parents have said no more. I want my children to know there is literally not anything you could do that wouldn't make me want you and hunt you down and look for you. And you know what? That's what God says to you. Yes. And that's why the church is open to you, regardless of somebody who is misguided in the church or isn't catechized fully in in the teaching of what the church teaches here. You are welcome 
in the Catholic Church because God loves you and he wants you here no matter what. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.